0: Those who had fled to higher ground before the siege began left only the old, the lame, and the brave behind. They listened, aghast to the roar of fighting men, the cries of terrified children, and the wails of women forced to watch the torture of their kin. My grandfather was just a boy hiding in the hills that day. He saw his city burn, and his brother marched off to the galleys, Then he escaped with his mother into the mountains of Boutières. His family settled on the outskirts of Gatigny, a village nestled in the heart of Vivare. We lived there for two more generations, beside the stream that ran among the mulberry trees of our modest silkworm farm. Harvesting the filaments and spinning them into threads was at the center of our lives. An intensive craft, supported by the water-powered throwing machines my father invented and built. We lived a good life on our farm, my brother Charles and I, and then sister Julie when she came. My mother taught us every day a reverence for the written word, imprinting on our minds the call to tell God's story well. And father taught us honesty, nobility, and strength. Repeating and embodying the principles we live by to this day. Endure with courage, resist with wisdom, and persist in faith. Part one. Endure. Chapter one. The alarm went off at eight on the day my life imploded. The springs in Patrick's couch clanged as I reached for my cell phone to turn it off. Vonda stretched and groaned on her thin mattress on the floor, then lifted the edge of her sleep mask to squint at me. Too early. Her voice was morning rough. Come on, get up. It's our last day here and we're not sleeping it away. I slipped off the couch and went to the windows, opening them wide to fold back their wooden shutters. Tell me it's sunny, Vonda mumbled under her pillow. It's sunny. Are you lying? It's Paris in November, Vonda. She groaned and forced herself to sit up, patting down the hair she would dyed jet black before our trip to Europe. Those sirens are weird she said, as a police car navigated the narrow street two stories down. But it wasn't just French sirens she considered weird. The traffic, the stares from strangers, the potency of the coffee, and the overcrowded metro cars, all weird to the girl from Santa Barbara, whose most exotic world exposure had, until this trip, extended only as far as L.A.'s Chinatown." Back home in Denver, the three of us shared a townhouse, or we had until Patrick had headed to Europe for a semester of art classes at the American University of Paris. It came as no surprise to those who knew him that he'd decided to further his education at an age when most men were focusing on their children's academic ambitions. But we all knew that his studies, though earnest, were merely a pretext for living in a place where treasures hid in plain sight, in attics, dumps, and flea markets. Patrick's passion for picking was a galvanizing thing. It had led him to open Tresor, three years ago, his eclectic store of vintage old-world objects tucked away in a gentrifying neighborhood of Denver the discovery of three rare Napoleon-era coins in the lining of a quartzite he'd acquired from an online auction had financed the fulfillment of his lifelong dream to study abroad. They called picking chine in France. Patrick called it treasure hunting. And somehow... Between his classes and homework, he'd found the time to travel the French countryside in his 30-year-old Citroën 2CV, which the French lovingly called a du The common knickknacks he'd bought for a song in roadside shops and village fairs would be worth many times more back in his Denver store. Grab a shovel and believe in gold, he always declared as he entered promising places given the impressive number of antiques he'd collected since his arrival in france i could only conclude that his imaginary shovel had served him well patrick and i had been a bit surprised by